Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm talking about Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. So let's spin the magic of books. So let's just keep this non-spoiler for a minute or two here. I really like Spinning Silver. I've really liked a lot of Naomi Novik's books. Um, this is not the first one I've read. I've read this one. I've read Uprooted. I've read uh, the first book in her Temporary series, and I've read the Deadly Education series. Really, or the Skoldomance series, technically, I guess is its true name. But I've liked all of them. I think she has a real, real strength with uh, these short novels like this that, that are standalone uprooted and spinning silver i think are some of her best works i did i did not love the temerary series i have not finished it yet it wasn't bad enough that i was dnfing it it wasn't bad at all it was good it just wasn't my feelings there's a couple things in there that i just uh, just didn't click with me when i was reading it and i'm gonna definitely try and go back but let's talk about spinning silver so spinning silver this is my second time reading it, and as I was reading it, I started up, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this character. Oh yeah, I forgot about that character. And just like how kind of important they are, it was very interesting to, to reread it again. I love the way that Naomi Novik is able to just kind of plop you into this Slavic language area, and it makes sense, and all the words sound right, and it feels like a real place, and the way the characters act feel good to me. This one... Uh, I like this one. It's a, This one is a fairy tale retelling of uh, Rumpelstiltskin, kind of. Like, she's very good at taking these these myths and these fairy tales or these folk tales and then just kind of changing them and warping them to fit the story. You know, as you can tell, spinning silver, you know, spinning straw into silver. Now, this isn't a straw into gold, excuse me. Now, this isn't exactly the same, of course. But that is a, a good kind of starting place to think about what this book is going to be about. And she even throws in a couple other references to other fairy tales inside of there. If you're looking, you can catch them. I think I noticed at least one or two references to a, a Cinderella-type story, right? Happening at the same time. Well, not happening at the same time. That implies that just a, like a reference or an Easter egg to the Cinderella story. How about that? And as I'm reading, I'm you know I did not find any big flaws in logic or in story that would make me say like, oh, this was so off. Why did it happen like this? Oh, what happened here? This is, you know, wrong. So I, I like that. I think she's able to very consistently write these these standalone books. And I'm really looking forward to seeing her next standalone book come out because I really do think this is her one of her biggest strengths here. Now, let's just, I think we're going to have to get into it because there's so much to talk about and there's so many characters and there's such a good plot. So let's talk a little bit about our characters and our plot and then we'll kind of get into some fun things that I really enjoyed about it. Uh, we start with Miriam. Uh, she's our main, one of our main characters. Uh, there are three kind of main characters. I would definitely say Miriam is the top main character. Um, and then below her we have Wanda and Irina. And I would have to say that Irina is the second kind of main character here. But Miriam is the daughter of a bad moneylender who never goes and gets his money back from people. And she's tired of being cold and hungry and sad. So she goes and gets into the business herself, makes herself cold. This leads to some really interesting family stuff, right? Um, and it also leads to a lot of other things happening. You know, she ends up helping Wanda by insisting that Wanda has to come and work off her father's debt. She almost destroys the entire Stark realm and things are going to turn out okay in the end. So, uh, she is making this money, and as she's driving through the forest, uh, I don't know who it was that says it. I think her dad says, 
well, you really can turn silver into gold. And this is not like an intentional thing on their part, but what ends up happening is that the Stark hear that and they, you know, push put out to prove her. So they give her more silver. She has to turn it to gold. Otherwise, she'll be, you know, killed and frozen into ice. They bring her uh, an increasingly large amount each time. She takes it to a jeweler. The jeweler works it. And then they sell it and they make the gold, give the money back to the, the Stark. And then eventually she, not eventually, but after the second time, he says, you know, if you do this, you'll, you'll be my wife and my queen. And I don't, you know, and he could tell the Stark doesn't want that because he keeps trying to get her to fail. Um, but she succeeds. She ends up going into the Stark realm where she spends all of her time trying to get back out and you know, trying to understand what's happening to her at the same time. And then at the same time, you know, Wanda is living her life trying to get away from her abusive father, who is a horrible person, and I'm glad dies, but should have died earlier, because he's just a horrible, horrible person. And I would want to beat him, too. And I'm glad that the her and Sergei and Stepan were able to stand up for themselves. I only wish that his death had been more painful and more sad. Sad for him, not for anybody else, right? Yeah, Stepan and, and Sergei and Wanda are a little sad, but it's mostly because they think they're going to be framed for his death, and that's rightfully so, but I think when you beat your children like that, you deserve an untimely death. A very sad and untimely death. But if it would have been more protracted, I wouldn't have want I wouldn't have batted one eye because I feel he really deserved it. Personal opinion there. But let's talk about Irina. Irina is the daughter of the Duke. She is getting these this silver fairy worked this fairy worked silver, and then she is used that's used to catch the eye of the Tsar. And I can't remember his name right now, but it was a nice uh, Russian type or Slavic sounding name. The Tsar, unfortunately, has a demon inside of him, uh, Chernobog to be specific. They hatch a plan. Uh, not they hatch a plan. Irina is able to avoid the demon who wants to eat her by hiding in the uh, Stardic land by use of the enchanted or the fairy silver. She's able to kind of go back and forth through a mirror. Uh, and this is uh, skipping over a lot of stuff, so I'm trying not to give a, an exact reckoning of every part of the book. But they eventually make a deal um, with her, with Irina and the Chernobog and Miriam, that they will use her, you know, capture the Stardic Lord. He can feast on the Stardic Lord. They do that. It was, I'm just like, come on, you guys. It's a demon that just wants to eat. You know it's not like a good guy. Like, th he throws a huge fit, destroys everything. Because he can't find Irina right away. Like, why would you think you could trust him? And they know they really can't. But, man, Irina is just, like, ruthless in this. She's just like, oh, no. He, I need to get out of this 100%. I need, I'm going to have to sacrifice whoever or whatever to make sure my kingdom's safe. And it's like, dang, I appreciate that. Like, that's good, you know, leadership quality to have leadership. You know, not my people, but thine. But, like, geez, that's just ruthless and, like, mean. Like, a whole realm, just because. And I, I really like that, uh, I don't remember who asked, but I think it's the, I think it's Medium's grandfather. He's like, you know, we all know that winter's coming longer and longer, but we don't, you know, we have to ask the Staric Lord, you know, why are they holding winter longer? Why are they making it worse for us? You know, they didn't do this in years past. Obviously, something has happened and what's going on. You know, come to find out that the sorcerer, or the sorceress, who is the Tsar's mom, uh, kind of broke open something in the Stardic realm, and that's causing them to have to try and contain it with more and more gold and more and more of Summer's Light. So their gold is actually 
kind of capturing summer, right? That's a, it's an interesting play. She really works these things in smoothly and like easily. It's so much fun when you're reading it. So eventually Miriam frees the Stardic Lord. They're able to make it back through a long set of series of events. They're trying to stop Chernobog, who is ravaging the land and just kind of eating and pillaging and destroying as he wants. Miriam uses her gift to turn all of the, like a lot, a lot of silver into gold, which immediately starts to melt from the presence of Chernobog, who is this hot, fiery presence, right? And then they're able to use that to fix the hole that he's created. And it was really funny because uh, this book has a lot of, uh, you know, the fairy things, you know, you ask and I'll say true. You ask and I'll answer and I won't lie. And if you ask three times, you say it three times, you know, that makes it a binding oath. That's why she has to prove herself three times with the fairy silver. And anytime I say fairy, I just mean the stark studding silver, right? So she has to prove herself three times. She has to, she gets to ask three questions every night, you know, she's able, this repeating thing of threes, and then she goes up in, in the, uh, the thought that there's the idea pushed and, and, and explained that like if you get set a big challenge and you complete it then that enables big magic right because that's what it that's you know if you if your reward is commensurate to your task and so she sets herself this big challenge of like i'm going to stop you and i'm gonna do it and you're gonna fix that hole and then it happens and then she's able to you know save the world and they're able to defeat chernobog because he goes back to um, the Tsar and elena and, she, and he's like, I'm going to eat you now. And she's like, no, because all I've ever wanted from you is to be left alone and to for you to not hurt me and mine. And so she's not able, the demon is not able to, you know, attack them anymore. And she's like, and as the Sardina, everything is mine. Everyone in my is mine. So you're going to die. Even the Tsar is mine. And the Tsar is really interesting because he's had this demon from birth and he's nobody's ever liked him because of it. And now she's freed him from that basically. And you can see that he he really does like her and and love her. Or he's starting to love her, I think, near the end. So, all right, let's talk about some some fun things. Or maybe not some fun things. I like that the dynamic between Chernobog and the Stardic Lord, they're just so different. The Stardic Lord is patient. Well, he's not patient, but he's not greedy. You know, he wants what he wants. And every time I think of the Stardics, I just, I picture them as like sheets of ice almost. like Or like blocks of ice. She uses such good descriptive words for him that I, I rarely see them as like actually like human like I mean I know they're human like because they she talks about their faces and their arms and everything and they're they're very very humanoid but in my head they just kind of pick I picture them almost as like humanoid pieces of, of ice it's really silly but like they are a good thing and I love the ones that she befriends and she meets she meets Flap and Top and they they won't give their names right they don't give their true names but um, she's able to name Flap's daughter and she re- names her Rebecca flop or something flip and it's just really it's really nice that she she meets them she's working with them they're helping her this is a funny scene where she's given this incredible task of changing all the silver in these three huge storerooms into silver from silver into gold and she's only given three days to do it and it's like barely possible for her to get the first and smallest of the storerooms done by changing them into silver and gold so she says well you know what I was given this incredible task and I want to make it to my daughter, my cousin's wedding so that I can, you know, trap the, the Stardic Lord. And I'm like, just ask the Stardic Lord, why do you want, like, why do you need the gold? Why are you trying to hurt our people? And it's like, if you had asked that, then you'd know why he's doing it. Maybe you could could have come up with a better plan to uh, stop this so that the winter didn't have to keep coming. But 
she didn't. And so she's given this uh, impossible task. But she ends up coming up with an idea. She's like, okay, Chopin, Chopin, I don't remember his name, I'm sorry. But in Flip and Sop, she's like, you guys start loading all of the silver out of the storeroom. Because the, the words of the task were all the silver in the storeroom. So you guys get as much of it out as you can. I'll convert as much as I can. She's able to do it. She gets most of it out of the storeroom and into like the tunnel or like away. The fairy lord comes in or the Stark lord comes in. He looks around. He's really angry, but also like satisfied at the same time. And he's like, you know what? You got me this. You changed all the silver in the storeroom to gold. You know, therefore I can do it. And she's like, oh, and then this is when we learn that like a big challenge produces big magic. And that it's just funny because he's like, oh, you can go. So we can go anytime. Make ready and I'll I'll hold back time until we get there. And it's like, oh, that's just something you can casually do. Well, I mean, not casually, but like you can do. Cool. I like it. And I liked, I liked, really, I really liked that like Wanda and Miriam and Anita, they all solve their problems through like thinking and being smart and calm. It's not that they have to try and one up the like the boys or the men of the series the book in like physical strength they just they think about their problems and they know what they do to solve it when Irina becomes the Sardina she immediately is thinking okay how can I turn this to my advantage what do I need to do to make it so that I'm safe you know it leads to like a lot of sadness in the Stardic realm but from the get-go she's like okay we need to meet with this lord you got to marry this girl off you need to meet with him and you know proving her worth and showing like I am smart and she's like I need to hide from the the demon and from the Tsar until I can make a deal with him. You know, she does. Miriam is like, is so cold and tired. And she's like, finally fed up with being, you know, poor because nobody wants to pay their money back, their money back that they owed. And it's like, I'm with Miriam on this. Like these people suck and they are not good people. You know, if you take money out from a money lender or you take a loan and I'm not saying that you can't take a loan. I'm just saying, especially where it's a person like this, where it's Miriam, and they're not paying her their family because he's they're Jews, right? Which is an interesting whole dynamic throughout the whole story that they're Jews and not nobody else's or other things, right? But so she goes and she starts collecting and she has to make herself cold to do it, right? Because she has to say like, oh, I can't give them any excuse to just not pay or they won't pay, right? And it's just like, you go, Miriam, you're the best. And Wanda, it's like she goes from this horrible family situation where she's mad at her brothers because... They came into her life and took away her mom from her. And then her mom dies who's trying to have another baby in the beginning of the book to her abusive dad who just beats her all the time. And how she's supposed to do that, like, cope with that. And then she meets the, the Mandelstums, which is, you know, Miriam and her, their family. And her parents are just like, oh, we love you. You're so nice. We, you know, come over, like, let's pay you some money. Like, and Miriam is like, oh, I'll pay you more money. But Wanda's like, oh, if you pay me more money that I'm going to be done with my debt sooner. And I don't want that. But like, I can't say no to you paying me more money because you're the one in charge. And, and the themes of like debts and obligations were like throughout this book. And it's so good. And I really love it. And I really think everybody should give it a chance. It's not too long. And I think that's going to wrap up my discussion of Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik. Um, I really like this book. I think she writes really well. It's a fun story, a nice kind of fairy tale ripoff in a good way. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you have any questions or comments, you can send those to LibromancyPod at gmail.com. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. That always helps out a lot. And remember to spin the magic of books.